Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us again for the Lens Podcast. My name is Brian Solomon, and I'm here with Brian Hansen. And uh, so we call our podcast The Lens, and uh, and every time we meet to discuss and to record an episode here, we're thinking in three categories or segments. And so uh, we, uh, we've we named our segments, and the, and, and the first segment is A View of the World, and that's where we talk about what's happening. We'll pick a topic and uh, and begin to address it. And then the second segment is Your Place in the World. How should Christians think about the designated topic of the day? And then third, we'll talk about what in the world, and we'll choose topics seemingly at random, maybe not super random, but we'll talk about those things. So those three segments, your uh, view of the world, your place in the world, and what in the world. So Brian, what are we talking about today? Yeah, no. You know, there's there's a, a topic that uh, is it's always on the front page of uh, of every newspaper, and we see it in the in the TV. Uh, what they're talking about and things, and it's it's immigration, and uh, uh, you know th- this is a topic, Brian. That it, it this is not new by any stretch of the imagination, and it's also not just a problem that the United States has had. If we go back and we look over the course of time, we see we see uh, groups of people who have migrated from uh, one area of the world to another. I mean, we can go back even in the last probably. 10 to 20 years, but we see people who have been in serious conflict, like in Syria, and there's been a huge migration of people who have been fleeing uh, conflict or persecution. We also see it in places in Africa, like uh, Sudan, and them fleeing persecution from South Sudan, and and therefore Sudan ends up with a a large population. Right now, we're seeing uh, on the continent of Africa a a huge population shift down to Kenya, just mm. people fleeing persecution. But what pertains to us is what's going down, particularly on our southern border, and what we see is a large migration of people, not just from Mexico, but all of Latin America, uh, making their their way up to uh, their northern border, uh, our southern border. And boy, we see these we see these pictures of people who they they make it to the border. They're coming across the river there. they're they're drowning, you know, but they they're making it across. and then it's they're either escaping or they're they're you know getting picked up by our our law enforcement facilities and things. But so this, this whole idea, Brian, of immigration, is it, is it good? Is it, is it bad? Um, should, should Christians be open to it? Are we heartless if, if we're not open to it? But, but this whole thing of immigration, people migrating from one country to another, and that's what we're going to be looking yeah, at I today. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a lot of issues uh, as it relates to migration shifts and people movement. But uh, what we're seeing on the southern border is not just people moving, it's uh, human trafficking and the movement of people against their wills, uh, taking advantage and preying upon the weak, the young. Uh, that's obviously something that is immoral, and and we uh, stand against that as as a people. 
but you also have the free flow or seemingly free flow of illicit drugs yeah. and foreign substances that are wreaking havoc on many of our communities. I, I live in Springfield, Ohio, and, and uh, there are segments within our city whole neighborhoods where you just drive through there that have been wrecked by drugs and where you have drugs, you have prostitution. And so that you have this hand in glove sort of relationship between, uh, the underground drug, uh, trade and prostitution and, uh, and boy, the overall breakdown of the family. And it's, it's painful to watch and see. And so, uh, when you talk about the the topic of immigration, there are all sorts of rabbit trails that you can go down. Oh yeah, and so uh, that really takes us into um, what we would have titled, or what we have titled, our second segment. It's your place in the world, and so we're asking this question today, Brian. How should Christians think? about the topic of immigration. Does the Bible address the topic of immigration implicitly or explicitly? Because we want to really think rightly about weighty topics like this one. So uh, why don't you take first stab at it? Yeah. So, you know, actually the Bible does address um, nations. Uh, If we were to go back and do a deep dive, which we will, let's, let's try to stay in our lane today, because like you said, there's all kinds of rabbit trails that we can go off on and maybe we will unintentionally, but we'll, we'll try to bring it back around here. What does the Bible have to say about nations? Does it, uh, does it even imply that there are nations, that there are uh, laws and governing uh, aspects to, to the world? You know, we, we can go back. Let, let, let's do this. Let's go back into Genesis. And, and we can go back and we can see from the very beginning uh, where there are at least cities. Now, I don't want to camp out here, but let's at least start here. So we have Cain killing Abel, and there was a ramification of that. And and uh, and Cain then was afraid to go to any of, any of these cities because he believed that he was going to be killed. And so therefore, God puts a mark on him so that at least people wouldn't kill him. Now, that's just a, a lead up to, to say, we know that there were cities. Okay. Doesn't really talk about governing authorities there, but there were mass pl- places of groupings of people. Absolutely. Yep. So, but then what we have then is we we come then um, to after Noah, and and we have this building of the world again. Like God says, okay, the world went far astray. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a reset, and so He does do a reset, and then He says, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. And fill the earth. By the way, uh, maybe we want to do another topic on uh, on the uh, overpopulation of the world. Or I not. W- or, or not. Right. Or not. Or the, the declining birth rates. Right. right. Okay. Another episode. That's another episode. Yes. But what we have shortly after, after that in Genesis 7, 8, and then 9 is we, have the, we do have the, the earth populating. But it seems to be as though it is populating in one particular place where all of humanity, they're, they're pretty good at what they do, apparently. Uh, and they think to themselves, is there anything that we cannot do? And so they, they decide that they're going to build this tower and they're going to reach God because they have the ability to do so. And Brian, God says, not so fast. Right. And so uh, 
far be it for me to correct an illustrious Bible teacher like yourself. <laughs> but uh, Genesis 9 is the flood, and then Genesis oh. 11 is the Tower of Babel. And what we see is that coming out of the flood, God's great reset, uh, there was a growing proclivity to sin on the part of man, and, and, and the, man's sinful nature had overtaken the world. So, so God uh, ordained this uh, global flood, this catastrophe, to start over with one man's family. And so God preserved the souls of eight, eight individuals uh, on the ark and, and two of every kind of animal, and, uh, and then there was a global flood. Coming out of that flood, God instructs Noah and his family, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Yeah. This takes us back to the earlier Genesis creation account. Hey, uh, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Uh, man's proclivity to sin seemed to violate God's stated commands. And man in his own heart says, no, I'm going to do what is right in my own eyes. I'm going to do what I what I want to do. And so the, in Genesis 11, we see this account of instead of filling the earth, man congregated to one another and they began to build a monument to their own greatness. And in Genesis 11, uh, uh, the, the Bible tells us then, then God looked down and saw what the, uh, the people were doing and was alarmed and decided to take action. So Brian, what happened at that point? Well, so so then uh, uh, we we have the different languages that come about, and God disperses uh, the the uh, community, the group of people that that were all there, and He dispersed them each to their own language. And so now we see the languages, the the people groupings, they start to disperse and they start to go around the globe. That's right. Hey, can we just pause here for just a hot second? You and I have led various missions trips yeah. in, in our uh, past lives as youth pastors, yeah. and we've done different things. And, and one of uh, the mission trips that you led, uh, a group of students from Linworth Baptist Church years ago, yeah. was to do uh, spend a whole week at Scioto Hills Camp in Southern Ohio doing work projects during the day. Yeah. Could you imagine being involved in a work project, a construction project, where you're giving instruction to students and all of a sudden they just can't comprehend anything that you say? I mean, honestly, could you imagine how that would hijack that How could that possibly happen knowing my <laughs> proclivity of teaching? Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine the frustration and the, uh, the confusion, the, the fear, the, all of those things that must have settled in on those people there at, at Babel, and yet it was, a, it was a moment for God to gather certain groups of people according to their language and then fill the earth according to their language. Yeah. And so I, anyway. Yeah. So. No, that, that, that's, a, that's a great analogy. You know, I was thinking, talking about missions trips, uh, I had the opportunity to take a, a group of young people for 16 years to um, a, a First Nations tribe out in Vancouver Island to uh, just a wonderful group of people. And uh, uh, we were the very first Caucasian group that they allowed on their tribe. And, wow. and, and uh uh, it was it was really just a fascinating time. But one time a week, uh, the, the the for the week that we were out there, I would I would have this session where they could ask me any question that they wanted about God, the Bible, or life. And I'll never forget we were sitting around the fire, 
and there was probably about 40, 40 or 50 of us. And, and, uh, it was in the evening and, you know, you had the, the white cap snow mountains on, uh, be, behind us. And then you had the, the Georgia Straits where the cruise ships come through, um, on, on the other side of us with white cap mountains. And one, uh, one young man, uh, he asked, well, a, a, a gentleman, he asked me, he says, you know, um, where did the different nations come from? And they call themselves First Nation people. And so we we did. I, I took it back to, to the Genesis account of the Tower of Babel and this dispersion where God said, no, 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 no more. You think that you can get to me? You think that you can be like me? Not on your life. Mm. And so therefore, that's when we have the different languages, the different people groups, the dispersion of the of the people groups to go around the earth and start to populate in their particular regions of of the of the earth. And uh and so uh where where we run into to issues now is um, what do we do when one group of people is hurting and they want to come into another group of people or it, it, is it okay for people? What what are ramifications? Let, let me ask you this, Brian. Is there ramifications of one people group under the authority of that people group saying, I no longer want to be a part of this people group. I want to go to this people group. And and I may or may not want to be under their authority. Is, is there a problem? Do you see any inherent problems of a people group wanting to migrate from one authority into another authority? Well, it's a big question. It is. Um, I don't know that. But I, we're dealing with we, it. We are. Um, maybe before I, I answer that question, uh, another question had occurred to me, too, okay. as you were talking. Yeah. Thinking about Babel, yeah. God dispersing the people according to their languages. Uh, one could look at that story in the Old Testament and one say, that never happened. So we're coming to the Bible with a couple of presuppositions that it's... True, always true. It's authoritative. It's inspired by God. So this is a historical event. Two, was God angry? Well, I, I, I don't think he was pleased with what was happening. But God is good as one of his attributes. And so the goodness of God is seen in dispersing the people throughout the world. So mm-hmm. God is is good in the dispersion. He's good in the establishment of nations. Mm-hmm. Now your question is, uh, how should we think about one person or group of people who want to leave one nation and go to an, another nation? Is that inherently wrong? I don't know that that's inherently wrong, so long as the laws are followed in accordance with the nations that are there. So uh, in the Cold War, we saw various pastors and Christian groups oppressed and persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And we saw many from the Eastern European bloc and from the Soviet Union flee their nation, and they would come to places like the United States or various countries in Western Europe claiming asylum. Right. Hey, I'm being persecuted in my nation. Uh. I believe that that's a, a a God-honoring thing for a nation to receive those people who are fleeing persecution. 
under the claims of asylum. I think that's a good thing. And so I think that every nation ought to have a, uh, a pathway to receive sojourners, as the Bible would call them. Uh, uh, not only sojourners, but, but uh, uh, those who um, might come into a new nation by way of legal means, so a well, legal so immigrant. Let immigrant. me just insert here, you use the word sojourners, and that's actually a biblical term. So the Bible does talk about sojourners. That's right. It, it, it talks about a couple different, uh, yep. uh, uh, it, it describes different people yep. as it relates to their citizenry. So one of them would be? A countryman, countryman. Which, which is a citizen. Yep. Uh, secondly, sojourner, this would be a legal immigrant going from one geographical place to another by way of legal means. Right. The third is a foreigner. Yeah. And a foreigner is someone who leaves one particular place, goes to another, but doesn't necessarily go through the appropriate channels. Yeah. So... So, 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 so that's kind of what we're talking about here today, especially as it relates to the United States of America, right. because we have, we are being inundated by the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Estimated 2 million by the end of this year alone. So here, here they come, they're coming across the border and oh, by the way, they're not coming according to the laws that we have on the books. That's right. And they're being dispersed. And and now there's all this, you know, there's all this political hoopla that's taking place because we have governors of Texas and governors of Florida that are saying, okay, we have a problem here. Why don't you experience some of our pain? And so they're <laughs> sending them to places like Martha's Vineyard and, uh, and, and Martha, you know, so then you have the, the places of gov, uh, of governing places like New York saying, Hey, what you're doing is inhumane. That's right. Well, okay. Is it so how, but they have designated themselves as a sanctuary city, or in some some cases, a sanctuary state. state. Yeah. So, so they have said, "Look, we we welcome anybody who comes into our nation, either by way of following our laws or not following our laws. All are welcome, except if they come on a bus from Florida or Texas, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's yeah, problems screaming in the streets. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but you know." Uh, th there is ramifications if, if to, to your point, if we have 2 million people that we don't even know who they are, but they're on the books. No, by the way, they're going to get free health care. They're going to get a free phone. They're going to get free this. They're going to, you know, they're going to come to our schools, uh, mandatory education. Seemingly, um, it's like there are some within our government who are enticing yeah. foreigners. Making it look good. With uh, the promise of entitlements, just come and you'll get a phone, you'll get free education, you get free housing, you get food allowance, you get all of those things uh, and no cost to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. No cost to us. So let's camp on that. Yeah. Is there a cost to the United States or any country? But since we're talking about what's going on here in our country, is there a cost to the United States to say, hey, look what's. Look what's available here. Why don't you come on over? That's right. There is a cost. There and, is. and it's interesting that that uh, several years ago, this was, uh, boy, probably goes back to 
2015, uh, United States Representative Randy Forbes, uh, he actually sent a, a newsletter addressing this topic, and he says this. He says, according to widely circulated news reports, about 60,000 youth will cross our nation's southern border this year. Now, that's... Um, in 2015. And so uh, 60,000 youth will cross the nation's southern border this year. That's up tenfold from 2011. According to Reuters, the number of illegal immigrants under the age of 18 entering our country is likely to double in 2015. Well, daggone it, we're in 2022 right now. And so it's likely to double in 2015 to 130,000, costing the American taxpayer an estimated $2 billion. So, so far, unaccompanied youth have been housed in shelters in Arizona, military bases in Texas, California, and Oklahoma. And so this month, the Department of Justice announced a new program to enroll approximately 100 lawyers and paralegals to provide legal services at taxpayer expense to youth crossing our border unaccompanied by their parents. Additionally, the Department of Homeland Defense announced a renewal of the administration's policy. To grant relief from deportation to youth brought into the United States illegally by their parents if they meet certain criteria. According to the department, uh, as of April, over 560,000 individuals have already received such relief. So that's back in 2015. A much smaller amount of people coming across the border at a cost of $2 billion. You fast forward this year, there's an estimated 2 million people crossing the border. Uh, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a lot of dollars uh, in play. How should a nation pay for that? And if a nation is bankrupt, can they sustain that sort of thing? And if can they sustain what it is that God wants them to do anyway in terms of how the government is supposed to function for citizens of that nation. Yeah, so we're we're not saying that immigration is wrong or immoral or unbiblical, but where we are saying what we are saying is there there are systems in order uh, in in place to 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 give good order and guidance to to allowing this to happen. So uh, to your point, uh, to 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 say if there are all these people coming across and there are all these things that are available to them at the expense of the people who are already the citizenry of the country, it will bankrupt a country if the if those immigrants. Uh, are coming across and they're paying no taxes. That's right. And uh, and so the burden becomes even more uh, heavy on on the citizenry and uh, and eventually that country will go bankrupt. But it also speaks to to Romans 13 is not silent on this where it says let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Well, so uh, governing authorities of who of the nation that that you that you reside in well how are people supposed to be subject to the governing authorities if they have no idea who those people are who are entering the citizenry or the boundaries of that country that's right and so that's a dilemma that from from a biblical perspective um the the bible isn't doesn't say don't move don't leave your country but it does give guidance to whatever you do god is a god of order he's a, he's a god of substance in this in this case it talks about the god 
ordained governing authorities in how you present That's yourself right. to them, That's how right. you live under them. So as we think about this topic, and, and um, obviously we're going to leave a lot on the table. Yeah. I mean, this is a big topic. And yeah. so this is not the definitive word, but just a means of uh, calling people to think more biblically. So I would say, say this. I think that there are two lanes that Christians ought to think about as it relates to immigration. Lane number one is, what is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus in this world as it relates to the immigrant, personally? Well, uh, Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission, my job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, period. Uh, that's my job. And so whomever I encounter on the street, in the grocery store, uh, in, in the marketplace, my job is to reflect God's image and point people toward the Savior. Now, if there are issues related to poverty and that sort of thing, and I personally have resources that I can uh, help that person with, I should. I should follow uh, the conviction and leading of, of God on my life in that moment. So that's lane one. Lane two is what should the government do? What should the government do in terms of policy and policy procedures? And uh, and I think looking at the Romans passage that you just quoted, Genesis chapter 11, God values nations and nation states, the institution of government for the protection of citizens and for the punishment of evildoers. The government cannot effectively do what God has asked it to do if it's not regulating who's coming in and out of its country. And so every border must be uh, secure and those entering and exiting should go by way of a gate or some sort of a gate. Um, and so I, those two things I don't think are opposed to one another. However, I think many Christians motivated by a desire to be compassionate and caring are conflating our mandate as individuals to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to care for those who, uh, who are without, who are afflicted by poverty and whatnot, that sort of thing. They're conflating with their, they're conflating their personal responsibility as followers of Jesus living in a broken world and that of a government's policy posture that they should uh, take in terms of protecting its citizenry and and uh, punishing the evildoer. So two lanes of thinking, we got to separate those two, two things. I think we'll land the plane in terms of uh, that segment there. And that takes us into our final segment, which is what in the world? Well, what in the world is going on in England that the whole world is attracted to it? And of course, that is the death of the queen of England, uh, the former queen Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, this, this is something that the United States, I, I'm really surprised that we find it as fascinating as, as we do because of the, of the history and, and the founding of our country where That's we right. tried so hard to stay away from it. But in fact, um, uh, as you know, I was just in Boston a couple weeks ago, and one of the simple things that I learned, do you know why we hold uh, properly our utensils the way we do in, in, in between our thumbs and our fingers and things? 
It's simply because it is opposed to the way they do it in Britain <laughs> and where they hold it, you know, more like a, a just just, um, oh, I don't know, in your fist and they scoop it up to your mouth. We said, nope, we're not going to be like them. So we devised our own method of how we hold our utensils. But yet we are fascinated with the, the Queen of England. Yeah. And you know what? Rightly so. It, it's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, and the so the pomp and circumstance of all oh that's my. taking place is truly a spectacle. It's a wonder. Uh, e- even uh, today at the taping of, of our podcast, uh, we were watching the news and yeah. and uh, and it was the, the final funeral of Queen Elizabeth. And all that took place in um, Westminster Abbey and the cathedral there and the bagpipes and the music and the hymns that were being sung and the, and the various escorting of... Uh, the uh, the queen's casket from the abbey uh, downtown and through the the lanes and in the city and people were lined up. I mean, yeah. it is truly a spectacle. And, and you know, even if you you think about, you've seen pictures of our forefathers, uh, George Washington, Jefferson, whatever, and the wigs that they wore, and we're like, how silly! What were they thinking? Well, even today, <laughs> I was watching them go down the road um, uh, behind the casket and things, and they're dressed up in all this pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. and which was very similar to what our forefathers would have worn. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, that's, yeah. that's just a, a, a difference there. But, you know, the, the queen has, um, in, in the monarchy, whether it's the, the, the queen or a king, uh, they have a special place that they hold to be true, even in the church, you know, where they they are the the head of the church. They are God's representation and um, uh, to 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 the rest of the church and to their countrymen. And, um, you know, I, I land on this, Brian. I was just thinking about this. And, and every time that we have our podcast, I just want to give a little um, just a little excerpt uh, here of maybe just the gospel, you know. The Bible says that all believers uh, are the priesthood. It, it speaks to the priesthood of all believers, where uh, in in some churches they have to go to a certain person in the church in order to have access to God. That's right. But the priesthood of believers, of all believers, says we have access to God through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. by forgiveness of our sins based on his work on the cross. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, and so, uh, Queen Elizabeth, you know, there, there's some, uh, there's some interesting things about maybe where she was spiritually and how she loved Billy Graham and had, uh, uh, many conversations with him and things. So we don't know exactly where she was spiritually, but it's an interesting thought. It it is interesting. And and it's, uh, I think it's good for us to think about, and I think some of the statements and and things that she public statements that she made around Christmas time and others uh, related to the person of Jesus Christ and alluding to a personal relationship that that she had with Him. Uh, I think that that certainly lends itself to um, what many are saying that she was a follower of Jesus, and we rejoice in that. And so, when we think about the the spectacle of her body being laid to rest, I think it's a it's a very good thing that a life is being honored. One who reflected the image and likeness yeah. of God in that Genesis uh, 1 sense, Genesis 1, 26, 27, uh, that Queen Elizabeth was created in the image of God, that at some point she had a salvific experience and came into a personal relationship with Jesus. 
And right now, a whole nation is is laying her body to rest. Yeah. And honoring uh, her life. And I think it's a it's a great thing uh, to see. It's a sorrowful thing, uh, but it's a uh, it's a thing that that should cause us to say, what kind of mark am I leaving on this world? Yeah. And does my life matter? The answer is yes. Uh, our lives matter to God. God God views us with love and compassion and sent his son Jesus to be our savior and invites us into a new relationship with him through faith and trust in him. So every person has to answer that question. What have they done with Jesus? That's right. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast dealing with, uh, with immigration. Thanks for, thanks for joining us on the lens. Thank you.